This is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, as many of you know, for a couple of weeks, we've been talking about discipleship groups. We're asking you to sign up for them. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, a lot of people are like, but you're not really talking about it. You're not really explaining it. I'm not really sure what, I'll sure, I'll sign up. Sure, sign me up. Okay, put me in a group. I don't care. And thank you. Thank you for signing up despite my uh, lack of telling you information. But it isn't because we didn't want to tell you. It isn't because we wanted to keep you in hiding. It isn't because there's a shroud of mystery behind it. Like it's some super secret club. It's not. The Discipleship Group is open up to anyone who calls Mosaic Home and is part of this community. Um, but for how many of you have been part of a, what used to be called missional community or have been part of a community group before? Okay, a lot of you guys. <clears throat> and uh, if you've been at Mosaic for a, for a couple months, you'll know uh, that we have uh, moved away from uh, fully supporting uh, community groups. And so when you hear that, you're like, oh my gosh, is something bad? Like, is that something, like, is it a sin? Like, have we been in sin? No, no, no. That is not the reason why we're not fully supporting or why we're not having community groups at uh, young adults anymore or at the church. It's because as a church staff and the discipleship team, Rick Bonner and his team have spent time in prayer along with the elders and other staff members thinking about what is best for our community. And part of that was that we were deciding that we would move away from doing community groups and moving more into other formal settings of discipleship, whether it's Bible studies on Tuesdays or Wednesday mornings, whether it's our Christian beliefs class on Thursday, right before young adults, or our young adult discipleship groups, or discipleship groups that happen outside of our young adult community. We figured this is actually the best way to ensure that we are developing and caring and bringing up our people to be mature in Christ to be prepared for the work of the ministry. And that was what we were really hoping for. But along the way, as a community, as young adults, we realized, man, but we, I mean, how many of us like love our community, right? Like our events, our community groups. Like, like I remember when I was, uh, for, like when it was called Missional Community, I had just come to the community like five years ago and I didn't have a lot of friends, uh, but Caleb, I was part of, of Caleb's Missional Community, which it's like a church plant. It's like 50 people every Thursday, like, or every Monday. Every Monday night, there was like 50 people. And, you know, and half of them were there because they were hoping to find their spouse. The other half is because they had nothing better to do on a Monday. <clears throat> I was there for both. You know, like, I was like, hey, the more the merrier. And, uh, but I used to live really far away. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay very, I, I wouldn't like, I, I wouldn't just want to come and then leave because I had a long time to, to drive back home. So uh, Caleb kindly offered to let me sleep in his, in his room. Um, they had an inflatable bed. It was, if, if any of you guys know Connor Jones, uh, he's also another talkative person. Um, and so it would be me and Caleb and Connor talking to three in the morning about anything, about like what God was doing, about the girl that we liked, which often was Caleb and I like the same girls, but we didn't tell each other because we were like, we'd in, in secret competition. It's okay, Caleb, we're friends. It's, I'm married. There's nothing to worry about now. You know, it's fine. You can do your own thing. And okay, I know what it sounds like that I was making it seem like it's bad that he's single. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not what I meant. I just meant that we're not in competition anymore in that. But, but really, my faith uh, grew so much in those conversations. My, my walk with Jesus was so profoundly impacted and deepened because of all the conversations I had in our community groups and in our, um, 
in those conversations that we had till 3 a.m., keeping Caleb up, even though he had to be up at like eight in the morning the next day. And many of you have experienced that. And so, so what I want to say before I continue, if anything else, is, man, thank you to all the community group leaders that have helped love and shepherd this community over the last, like, I don't know, like what, 10 years, however long we've had community groups. Like, we're so thankful for every single one of you. And we're thankful that many of you have joined the community because you were committed to being and growing in Jesus, abiding in Jesus along with your brothers and sisters in the faith. And so while we're thankful for that, we again, we are moving away from community groups and it's not because community groups are the problem. It's not. Um, we, there are other struggles that we have as a community and we realize that we do not have the amount of leaders to support a ministry this size. Um, we had at, at, a, at a certain point, the most I think we've ever, community groups we ever had at one point was let's say four, right? Four. Now, uh, if you think about a community this big, 100, 150, depends on which week, right? Um, if we have four, if you're trying to get everyone in a community group, let's do the math. How many people have to be in a group? Oh, anywhere between 30 to 40, which for Caleb, which was, was a weekly occurrence, right? But for everybody else, it wasn't happening. But then you go in these community groups and you're like, no one really knows me. Um, or maybe they do kind of know me kind of, but they don't really know my struggles or um, it's really easy for me to hide my sin or it's really easy for me to uh, say everything's okay and no one's really knowing what's, what I'm struggling with or no one's actually really uh, genuinely happy with me when something good happens because they've got their own things and there's 30, 40 other people. And so what we realized is the purpose of the community groups weren't actually happening in our community groups to the degree that we were hoping to see because there were just far too many people for our leaders to love and shepherd and cared for. And then in return, our people felt not super loved, shepherded and cared for. And then it becomes a cyclical problem. And it's like, what do we do? Well, it's not to be mad at our community group leaders. No, we're thankful for them. But it's to bring up a new uh, cycle and generation of leaders from this community. So how do you do that? Man, well, we, well, we disciple them. We bring you into spaces. We offer spaces for you guys to, to grow in your faith in Jesus, to grow in discipleship, to grow in your walk with Jesus, for you to know what this, like, who the spirit of God is and to hear him clearly, to know who the person of Christ is, to know what the mission of the church is, to know your own purpose and mission. So then finally, what is the next step? Because you're all like, okay, Caesar, you're talking for a long time. I get it. I just needed to preface all of this for us to know our next steps as a community is discipleship groups. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know, like community groups are great. I don't really know if I really believe in discipleship groups. But the reality is a lot of you guys are yearning for this, for growth. That's what I love so much about this community. Y'all aren't here for like a lot of the superficial reasons. And, and so part of us are still always kind of here for a, a superficial reason, but you're here because you love Jesus and you want to grow in your faith. And that, like a third of our people in this community, 51 people signed up for community groups over last, I mean, for discipleship groups for uh, over the last like three to four weeks. And it's not just in young adults, as a church as a whole. I mean, Rick, how many people did we have a Bible study on Tuesday? Seven, I think. 287 people, including young adults at the Great River Church. On Wednesday, we had what, over 100, right? So we did the math. Uh, if you include young adults, the rest of the, the greater church, Bible studies, discipleship groups, uh, Christian beta class, we have over a third of our people at Mosaic wanting to know who Jesus is and to know who they are in Christ. That's exciting. That's good. 
And we're yearning for this here also within our community. So I'm gonna just talk briefly uh, with like just five more minutes about what it looks like to be part of a discipleship group, how you can join one and what it looks like for you to be in one. And so it's a year long commitment, starts here in September. You get three months on, one month off, three months on, one month off, three months on. And each three months is covering a book, a, a curriculum that we can talk about. We, I don't have the time to really get into the depth of it, but it, it's, it's helping us know who we are in Christ, who God is and how to live in community. And so you're just trying to find the foundational aspects of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we intentionally keep these groups small. So we have one leader, one, one male leader, one female leader, leading no less than two and no more than four uh, disciples. So uh, and it's gonna be the same gender. So we can, we can get into the nitty gritty of the, of the things that sometimes make it hard to be a, uh, a young adult male, a young adult woman in a society that tells us what it means to be a man and woman, but is contradictory to what uh, scripture is telling us to. And so what we're asking for is when you sign up for these groups, you'll see in the middle of your, pay, of your tables, if you haven't signed up for one, you'll see it's right there. It's a manual form. We decided, hey, let's make it as easy as possible. It's literally right there. Like you don't have to go on any website. You don't have to fill out any form on your phone, your computer. It is literally right there. So if you are interested in joining a discipleship group, we would really, really uh, encourage that. And in fact, um, I'm going to, I'm finishing here. I'm going to make a special appeal uh, to the men in this community. Okay, so the ratio, if anyone would guess, we had 51 people. How many, how many guys do you think signed up? 40? <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's, that's about the number of ladies that signed up. There were about 38, 39 uh, of, of our young adult ladies who signed up for it, and we had about 13 to 14 young adult guys. And the reality is that's a ratio that often exists in a lot of churches, and I, and I, I think there's many reasons for it and, and there's no reason for us to like talk about it or not today anyway, but um, the reason I'm making a special appeal to the guys here is because what it means to be a man and disciple of Jesus looks dramatically different than what everything else is out there. It really, really is. Like when we look at the person of Jesus and then we see what society tells us to be a man, I can tell you, I, I, so I'm, as a Latin American man, that is, the, my culture does not teach me how to be Jesus. I grew up with, with women issues, like women are just meant to be in the, in the kitchen and they do what I say. And that, that's the culture I come from. Or it's all about me. And it's about me being successful and having nice clothes and having the best money. Like for those who grew up in maybe in a minority culture, that is what gets perpetuated. And constantly it's at odds with what God calls us to be as men. And so my invitation to you all is this, as men in this community, may I firmly believe that being part of a discipleship will teach you exactly what you were designed to be. It will combat the things that have plagued us as men, the pornography, the sexual addictions, our, pro our propensity to use women, our propensity to use people, to use systems. I promise, I can literally promise you that if you submit yourself to the teachings of Jesus in community, tackling your sin, tackling the hardships, that you will finally walk in all that you were designed to be. And, and that's the best appeal I can make to you. So I hope there's more than 14 guys that sign up for it.
I hope that there are men who are willing to show and expose their weakness. I hope there are men who are willing to say, I don't want to live in this life anymore because what God has for me is so much better. I really, truly hope that the men in this community will step up in this way. Not so that, the, that you can get married, not so that the woman can think you're better. It, it's No, it's because there is a design meant for all of us here. And until we know who Jesus is fully, we will forever be purposeless and never fulfill what God designed for us. All right, so uh, I'm gonna pray for our time. We're about to have a panel. Jade and, and the panelists are gonna come up here. I'm gonna pray for us as a community uh, and that we would just see what the spirit of God leads you as you decide to whether or not you're gonna sign up for the discipleship group um, and just for our evening tonight. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for uh, your goodness. Uh, we're thankful that you have worked in Mosaic, that you've worked in the hearts of your people. God, we thank you and praise you that we have over a third of our congregation being discipled, growing in fullness, in, in the fullness of Christ, that they have come to see that truly only you can teach them what they were ultimately meant for. And God, I'm thankful for the men and women in this community who are stepping up to be discipled. It's not easy. It's not always fun because we have to be corrected. We have to be disciplined, but there is much fun in doing this together and that we can finally figure out what it is that we were meant and cultivated to be. And so God, I would ask that you would work in the hearts of your people here, that there are people on the fence about it, where they talk with their friends about what it means to be in a discipleship group. If there are people here are resistant to it, God, I would pray that you would humble us and allow us to submit to what you are asking. I would ask that your spirit would speak so clearly and so loudly that, there, that we cannot decline what you're asking us to do, but that we would know that it is you beckoning us, not for us to be better rule followers, not to be uh, behavior specialists, behavior modelists, but that we would come and submit our lives to be transformed and be radically renewed in the image of Jesus Christ and that your spirit would work in and through us. God, I pray that this community would be known for following and abiding in Christ and that we would be a testament to the greater world that there is a God who still moves and is active in his people, that he has not stopped working, that he is still not in the grave, but that he is here to transform a world of darkness into his kingdom of light. We praise all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, guys. How's it going? Sounds average. Are you having an average day? Sounds like it. Okay, well, I'm Jade, and I get the privilege of serving here at Young Adults. Hey. Hey. Wow. Um, okay, well, cool. And then right next to me is Amanda Wright. Amanda Wright. More applause for her. She deserves it. More, more, more. Oh, no, no. Just kidding. Amanda, introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Amanda. Um, I work here at Mosaic. Um, I help to plan and produce our gatherings on Sundays, both here at Winter Garden Campus and at the Disney Campus. So I get to work with a lot of the ministries here at Mosaic, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then we have Rick Bonner. Rick is also awesome. Rick, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Rick Bonner. I've been here for three years. Um, this is my third career because I can't get any of them right. So uh, <laughs> I've lasted three years here so far. So anyway, no, but I work, I'm the, I oversee discipleship here at Mosaic. And to be honest with you, I can't think of anything more important than that to finish out my last 20, 30 years on this earth, whatever it may be. So I just, uh, I'm excited that God called me here and I just love it. Thank you. That's awesome. And then we have Caesar. <laughs> Claps for himself. I love it. 
Caesar, introduce your. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, you guys know Caesar. You know he me, just got so. to know you earlier, so we're good. I talked enough. <laughs> yeah, Caesar's only allowed to answer two questions. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Well, cool. Well, tonight we're. Thanks, Jacob. Tonight we're jumping in and talking about uh, the church and the local church and um, really our questions around that uh, for a question and discussion panel night is really going to be focused on the black and white questions of the church. So the things you think about, the things some of you actually submitted, we're answering tonight. And a lot of you had like duplicate questions, so we just like made it one question. Um, And these are going to be our panelists who are answering them who are one qualified because they are saved by the Lord. <laughs> Amazing. They are the capital C church. Um, but also <laughs> but also they have a great um, just experience in life and they come from different walks that maybe some of you might relate to more than another. And so tonight we're going to get to hear um, from their perspective, but also from their life experience. So we're going to just jump in with the first question. The first question is, what has been your story with the local church? So how many churches have you been a part of? Um, what made you stay? What made you go? So what's your story? We'll start with Amanda because she's giggling at me. Yeah, I was just thinking, Rick and I probably have very different answers yes, to this. Different answers. <laughs> um, I actually grew up a, a pastor's kid. So growing up, I was a part of, I'd say, two churches that were great. And then when my dad retired, it was like, it was around my college age, which is a normal time to be like, oh, I'm gonna, I might go and find my own church. I might move to a new city or that kind of thing. Um, and so that's what happened to me. And I landed um, at a church in town, First Baptist Orlando. And that was a really great experience. Um, what, well, the reason why I gravitated towards that was because it was consistent. I knew what to expect. I knew what they believed because they talked about it and um, you could find it on the website. (laughs) So those kinds of things that just made me feel secure in in where I was gonna connect. And I had a a great opportunity to go on mission trips and be involved in their young adults um, and and that was great. And then through a series of kind of like funny circumstances, just different people um, meeting one another, I had a friend who met a guy who was gonna start a church and that was our lead pastor, Renaud. And so I was actually kind of concerned about that friend going to this place that didn't have a website and no information on what they believed. Um, and so that, is, that was my first introduction to Mosaic was like, well, let me go check this out and see what, what that's like and be able to encourage my friend one way or the other. And in doing so, um, I just totally connected with the vision and the values that were expressed early on at this church. Um, and just had an opportunity. I I definitely attended both for a while, um, which was, you know, great at the time, but not ideal long-term church connection. So I made the switch, and Mosaic's been my home ever since. All right. Yes. That's awesome. Rick, it's going to be a stark difference here. We prepared you. This is going to be a very stark difference uh, difference here. Um, I've been to, I I knew the question ahead of time, so I had to count them. Um, I've been to, well, since, well, actually it's been 22 churches, okay? So, but I can explain, okay? <laughs> Don't do what Rick did. That's just... <laughs> so, uh, put it this way, um, I've been married 37 years and we're in our 23rd home. So, that tells you about how many times we've moved. So, therefore, we've had to 
uh, do different churches and stuff like that. So a lot of the churches we were at were anywhere from a year to three years just because we were in different parts of the world. So um, been everything from a Messianic Jewish church to uh, Calvary Chapel to an Evangelical Free Church to a Baptist church, a Independent Baptist, Fundamental Baptist, Charismatic. It just, it just runs the gamut. Okay, so I've kind of experienced them all. Um, only one church that I actually, uh, actually walk away from, and that was First Baptist Church Orlando, um, because, and it wasn't necessarily because uh, the, the church was, uh, I, I felt bad with, about the church and just didn't believe in it. It was that uh, I was working at the school as well that's affiliated with it, the first, uh, the first academy. So I was their upper school assistant principal, and every time I went to church on Sunday, I'd get all the parents coming up to me. Why did you do this to my kid? Why did you do this? And I'm like, can we not talk about that in the week? And let, let me worship. So I just had to say, you know what, we, we got to leave. So uh, I asked the administration if I could leave, and uh, they, let me, they let me go. And uh, so we left and came to Mosaic, and that's where my life really started turning around, um, understanding what the gospel really is and how it applies to me personally. And then that, re- and that basically speaks into who I am in Christ, and it totally, radically changed how I dealt with people, how I loved people. So it was a great change. Caesar? Um, I, not a pastor's kid, but my grandfather was a Lutheran minister, so grew up in church um, until, my, until he passed away. And then we're like, I don't really know what to do. My family was trying to figure out where to go next. And so the, the, the most prominent denomination in New York City, um, it's probably still to this day, is Pentecostal churches. And so I grew up in a Pentecostal church uh, for, a lot of, for most of my life until we helped plant a church, um, a non-denom church when I was like 15. Um, but then I, when I graduated college, you know, I was coming to seminary in Florida. I was looking for a, a church to both be a part of and potentially work at. And so Mosaic was the very first church that I interviewed at. And it was the first church that told me they had nothing for me. And so I was like, okay, that's the answer, right? That's the Lord. And so I'm, I'm gone. And uh, I remember going a couple different churches to interview at, and they were all very like kind and saying, hey, and not that Mosaic wasn't kind, they were kind. Um, but they were also kind and offering me a job. Is what I, and um, then I remember kind of sitting in my room um, and uh, just hearing the Holy Spirit say, you, you got to go back to Mosaic. And I was like, Okay, God, I know you've been doing this thing for a long time, but uh, I need some money here, and they got nothing. So um, I, I came back, and it was on a, I think it was on a Thursday night. Yeah, it was Thursday night at 8.32, when it was 8.32, and um, wasn't really convinced. I don't know if Jimmy's here. Is Jimmy here? Jimmy left. All right. Well, he'll never know then. Don't tell him. So he missed out. Jimmy's the reason why I'm even at Mosaic because he came to talk to me. And from then on, I, like, I knew like I could f- experience love and community in this space because of Jimmy Huang. So don't tell him that he'll get a big I know. Head. I know. <laughs> it's a good thing. He's not here. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So there's many of you out there who from hearing your stories, I've talked to some of you that definitely relate to one or another. Um, okay, so, well, what's the difference between um, the church, so the capital C church, and the local church? Who wants to jump in? I can only do two questions. Yeah, Caesar's out on this one. Amanda, Amanda, you go, you go. Okay, the capital C church is um, all of God's children, and um, it's just awesome that we get to be 
in unity uh, with fellow believers around the world. And just it's an encouragement when you get the opportunity to hear about other believers and what their local church is doing. Um, so I, I love that we have that uh, opportunity to be connected with God's church, the capital C church. And then the local church is just here, a local expression of his church where we are close enough in proximity to hang out with each other, to gather together, to read his word, and, and to encourage one another. How do I yeah, do? That's well said, well said. Yeah. Rick, that is, ab- absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, yeah. <laughs> what's really kind of neat is, I mean, you, you said it beautifully, the, the, the capital C church is an expansion uh, of really the local church. It's a combination of a lot of the local churches together. And it is, it's a, it's a picture of unity and it's a picture of love. Um, and just in my own personal experience, I got to see that so clearly when I uh, got deployed to Bahrain and, uh, and Sunday comes and I go to church and all of a sudden there's believers, even Bahraini believers, you know, which is rare because it's a Muslim country. And to be able to fellowship with them and all of a sudden it's an instant connection. The Philippines, uh, Japan, Korea. You know, all the different places around where, there, where there's a body of believers, there's just a constant, constant connection and unity there. And it's, it's almost like you walk away after a 10-minute conversation, you feel like you've known them for your life because the bond of Christ. And it really is. It's a beautiful picture of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Okay, well, so we're going to jump into a different part. So that was more like your stories and the, def- the definition between church and the local church. But something right now, I mean... I'm sure all of you have seen it if you're on social media, is a lot of stories about people experiencing church hurt and kind of, you know, both ends of it, right? You've seen the stories where it made them really study their belief and go to God and say, you know, how do I deal with this? And they have like really beautiful stories there. Um, But we've also seen it projected of this church hurt that made people walk away from the church, walk away from community and find a community somewhere else that would be more accepting, right? And so um, kind of, I just want to hear from you guys thoughts on that, but also if there's a story that comes to mind of, being hurt, right? Because we just talked about our, the capital C churches, we're a family. It's every single one of God's children. And so what do we know about family relationships is we rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We need to say, I'm sorry. We need to say, you need to say sorry to me. And so it's bound to happen. So I want to hear from you guys if you have any stories that came to mind, but also how you dealt with it. Um, yeah, we can start there. Yeah, I'll go. Um, so, g- growing up in a Pentecostal church, are the, like the main. Now, there are different facets of Pentecostal churches, but a, a, a central theme is usually just the um, the charismaticism aside to it, which is like the the use of the of the gifts. So, um, if you've ever been to a church that has like a lot of tambourines and people speaking in different languages. That's a Pentecostal church. That's, I can almost promise you that's what it is. And so um, that was what my church experience was. And that wasn't the hurt because I'm not, I'm not against the gifts of the Spirit. I think where the hurt came from was the abuse of the spiritual gifts. And so what it meant was um, people would say, so I've never spoken in tongues. And I went to a particular church that would say that if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't saved. And so for the bulk of my Christian life, I could not, I, I did not believe I was saved. Like I knew I was saved, 
but like couldn't have it affirmed by the church. And I was like, okay, one of us has to be wrong. And I'm really hoping it's not me because then why am I here? Like, what am I, what else can I possibly, I can't, like there are times where like, I didn't fake it, but I thought about it. Like, I was just like, okay, if I listen enough to what they're saying, I'll just repeat what they're saying. And then they'll finally believe that I'm saved. But then I was like, I'm a liar. And so this just developed a sense, like a sense of like, I don't belong. Uh, God doesn't want me here. These people don't want me here. Uh, I don't actually know if I even believe in, 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 in Jesus because I'm not saved. And so I think a lot of that was problematic and hurtful for me because the one thing that was meant to give me hope in this world was suddenly the one thing that I never felt like I had access to because of something I had no control over. And so that was the bulk of, of my childhood experience in that, that, in that church. And probably is the reason I, I don't, yeah, I don't think I had a genuine uh, faith in Christ or a real genuine relationship with Jesus until college, until I had left all of that because there was just no way to, there was no way to have loving relationship with Jesus without having loving relationship with his people. And because I couldn't have that, it really made Jesus not, not worthwhile to me. And what helped you process through that that ended up bringing you, obviously, where you're at today, but to the next step after that, going back to another church? Yeah, I mean, um, I probably would have left the faith. I probably would not be a Christian if it weren't for, there was this um, Christian church campus ministry called uh, InterVarsity, um, which is like RUF or crew or navigators. I mean, there's multiple versions of what they are and some are denominational based and some are non-denom or interdenominational. And there was this one, my best friend, his name is Namit. And uh, we met at a philosophy class. It was, and I just noticed he had uh, Hebrew tattooed on his arm and I was like, hey, what's that about? That's kind of cool. You're kind of hipster. Like, I like this. Like, what's going on? You're in this philosophy class. And, um, and he, like, brought me back to, like, the, like, the room that they, that they met for InterVarsity. Um, and if, for those of you who know me, for five years ago, you'll know that I was, I'm a big personality. There's a lot of uh, arrogance that can be there, a lot of just bigness. Um, and that was magnified at 18 and 19. And yet there was this guy who said, I'm gonna love you. Like was patient and kind and very forgiving of the things that I would say or things that I didn't say. And it was in that moment that I thought, man, if this person who's human can love me this way, then maybe, just maybe, when God says he loves me, it's more than I can even imagine. And that brought me back home. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Either of you have a story that came to mind or thoughts? It's okay if you didn't. Yeah, I don't have a specific story that I'd want to share from the stage, um, but I think like the concept of of recognizing how God has been um, so kind to me in the environments that I've been in um, has been good. And then when there are hurts, I think being able to like name that hurt and to have that hurt acknowledged, whether that's you know from the people who hurt you or just from other people. And so I think that church hurt thing can you know be anything viral that people want to get. In on, but if it helps someone, you know, communicate about what had happened and um, be able to share that in community with believers, I think that can be helpful. 
Um, and I really try to understand, like there's been circumstances, certainly in ministry. So like as a staff member, um, you know, I might have a conversation with someone and then like I play that back later and I think, oh gosh, I wonder how that was for them. And like I could be causing church hurt. And so like God has chosen to use, um, you know, his children to do his work and we are all sinful and we all have faults. And so we all bring that to the table. And so um, when I've had those really sobering moments of when I just missed the mark and uh, said things I shouldn't, um, it's great when you have the opportunity to go back and apologize, but it, in times that I haven't, that that's been really sobering and allowed me to be more gracious with others who have hurt me along the journey. Definitely. Okay, well, cool. It seems like some of the church issues that we see come from a lack of clarity on what a mission or what the mission of the church is. Um, and so what should the local church be known for? <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. No, he said discipleship, of course, by the way. The discipleship. Not, not the other one. Okay, discipleship. Um, Absolutely. That's the Great Commission. I said the D word, you know, discipleship, you know. Deception. So. Okay, the other, the other, other D <laughs> word. That's, okay, just, just Rick is yeah, We're hilarious. in the Yankee community, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, that's over my head. All right. <laughs> discipleship. You go to the Great Commission, you know, and that's, and that's really, guys, that's really, it's what we're called to do. I mean, he specifically, Jesus specifically spoke to his disciples you know, right before he left and just said, hey, look, go, get, listen, just go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And by the way, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, okay? That's what we're called to do. That wasn't spoken just to the 12 or the 11 at that time, okay? It was spoken, Jesus said, I will be with you till the end of the age because the disciples that they were going to make were going to make disciples who were going to make disciples who were going to make disciples all the way down to 2021 here in Central Florida. We're to make disciples. So that's what the local church really ought to be all about. And what is that? It's to know God, know who he is, and then out of that to make him known. So that's what we ought to be about. Now I'll get off my hobby horse. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's totally true. And to know God is to love God. Like if we spend time and look for him and seek him out and read his word, then the only possibility is that we see who he is if the Holy Spirit reveals himself um, to us and then that will lead to worship. And so I think as people look into the local church, I hope that they see people who, man, they really love God. And then we, you know, read in the Bible that they'll, they'll know him by our love for one another. So I hope they look in and say, man, those people love each other. Um, and then that they, we would love people enough that when there's a need, um, that the outside world can see that the church is seeking mm -hmm. to, to help people and to point them to Jesus. Yeah. So why would you say there are so many denominations Because we make mountains out of molehills. Oh, they said, mm. <laughs> they like that. <laughs> we, make, we make absolutes out of things that don't need to be absolutes. That's, All right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to keep it simple. 
Yeah, I just to, and it it centers around the the, nom, the nominational question. But when we talk about what is the church known for, I, I think what and this is part of the reason why there's church hurt is because they we make secondary and tertiary issues primary issues, and realizing so like so I say God's people should be known for their love. How many people have heard that? Yeah, right? And if you're not a church, if you're not part of a church who loves people well, then don't go to that church. I've heard that. My question is, how do they know how to love to begin with if they don't know who God is? I mean, First John says, uh, we love because he first loved us. And so we make all these secondary and, third and tertiary issues primary when the big questions are, do we know God's word? Do we know God? Do we know who the, the son is? Do we know the Trinity? Do, do we know the things that have kept, like when we look at church history, the first century church, when all of with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of early Christians would go, uh, they would be murdered, crucified, sent to the Colosseum to be killed and mauled by lions and, and speared to death. They didn't have seminaries. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have all the doctrines laid out. They didn't have all the creeds and confessions. They knew that they knew Jesus and Jesus crucified and that he had come back from the dead and that his love was true for his people, that he had come to save people from their sin, that he had come to redeem a broken and lost people. That is what the church should be preaching. And those other things will come alongside those things because once you know a God who loves and loves so much that he would send his son to forgive and bring broken, redeemed people, then how are we not compelled to bring other people into that shepherd of love, right? But if we don't get the primary things, right, then the secondary and third things uh, be become our denominational issues and suddenly Baptists and Anglicans can't hang out or Presbyterians are dunking their, you know, not dunking babies, they're sprinkling their babies <laughs> and Baptists are dunking their things and not that and not that there's anything like, and then suddenly, suddenly we feel like this superiority thing, right? Like, and it's like even like a, a non-denominational church is like jokingly uh, a hidden Baptist, right? Like that's like the joke because we're like we believe all the same kind of things, and we but we just don't have like uh, this this overseeing oversight from like the convention or anything like that. But but the but the reality is is like if we don't as a people know the primary foundational aspects of who God is and who we are in Christ, those other things will swallow us up, will have divisions, will have tribes, and suddenly the church of God will be anything but unified. That was all well said. Um, one of my, amen. <laughs> um, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite messages, if you guys can ever go back and find um, in, um, on the website. It's called Matters of Eternity. We did it probably like three or four years ago, but it had just a, um, a diagram of three circles and it was just, you know, in the middle were like, these are like the non-negotiables. And then the outside was the studied scripture, studied convictions. On the outside was the preferences. And it was just such a cool way. Cause at that time was when I was starting to study theology a lot. So it's like, let's debate. <laughs> and it's like, let's debate preferences. Um, and so that message was just super cool to like actually have the perspective of like, wait a second, me and you actually agree on the same thing. And we're actually going to hang out in heaven later. So on this side of heaven, let's not act like we're not, you know, brother and sister. So that's really cool. Um, okay. So despite hearing about failures in the church, 
Um, I know you all love the local church. Um, what makes you love the local church and not just mosaic? <laughs> Nothing. We bleed yeah, mosaic. Let me talk real quick. You're getting, you're taking an oath tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like there was a time limit on that pause. <laughs> yeah, I love the local church. Um, sometimes part of my role here is that I get to connect with other local churches, and it is just like so encouraging to, to talk to other believers at other churches, and especially for me, other staff members, and like, that's so cool that you do it the way that you do it. Yeah, this if this would be helpful to you, you're welcome to it, but it's certainly not gospel. It's not primary, um, but it's just like sharing, and you get to share in the joys um, with one another. And so I think like just my unique opportunity to get to connect with other local churches um, has given me like even more of a love for other local churches. Yeah. It's, I think it's it's related to the uh, the question you asked before um, about the difference in the capital C and the local church and stuff like that because uh, just like you can go overseas and um, and even though they're they're doing services in a different language and uh, but you can just worship with them I mean it's just really cool and it's the joy it's it's the it's the spirit that's common it's not necessarily the language in in the same fashion you can go to uh, di uh, churches in the local area. And kind of get that same feel, even though you can, you know, worship in English and stuff like that. But it's just, you, you just realize there's, you have so much more in common than you have different. And where the differences are, it's just, it's, it's something the Lord is dealing with me on. And that is, look, learn to love someone with whom you may disagree. You know, uh, the absolutes may be there. Our convictions may be different about certain things. But learn to listen well and learn to love well hear where it is they're coming from, and then that will win you the opportunity to provide maybe an opportunity to share where you're coming from. But don't talk past each other. You know, learn to talk and hear one another and, uh, and realize it's not an issue of life or death or an issue of salvation. You know, it's just a conviction. So I just, yeah, I love the opportunity to get to, to actually grow in that, in that, in that area. Uh, in full confession, I don't always love the local church, including Mosaic. <laughs> okay, you can tell you can tell Renault. I'm just kidding. Uh, I love the local church because God loves the local church, and the reason that's important for me is because when there is church hurt, when there's church disagreement, when we butt heads, um, I begin to start being embittered, angered, and even a, maybe hate parts of the church, right? And I think some of us can relate with some of the, you know, 2020 has revealed a lot of flaws that we've let in to not, into, into the church, into, our, in, into the body of Christ. And what compels me to continually see the beauty of the church is that scripture says that Christ died for the church. And so for like, for, for our savior to die for the church, there has to be a reason. And I need him to like continually remind me. So if God loves the church, I love the church and allows me um, to forgive the abundance of sin that, that happened here. Because I think what happens is like, I, when, you know, especially in 2020, they were like, you know, now we have the opportunity to be the church, go out and be the church, like outside the building. And like, that's great. I'm glad. And then we neglected to meet 
together. And so both were struggling in those things. But what helped me see both sides was like, man, God loves the church. So God loves what the church does. He, he loves this body of saints doing this thing together as the Winter Garden, in Winter Garden. This is why like God loves Mosaic, God loves LifeBridge in real life and First Baptist Orlando and First Baptist Winter Garden and Grove Church and, and Grace Church and Grace Baptist Church and the Presbyterians and the Anglicans. And all. he loves them all because they're his children. And it's like, man, if God can display that love, then like, should I not love the church? Even when, if anything, because God loves the church, it helps me fight for the church more than to run away from it. That's a good and last I, sentence. Yeah. And I would just want, I want to add just kind of what uh, Caesar alluded to. It's not easy <laughs> to love the church, okay? It's not easy to love my wife sometimes. And I can't imagine it not being easy Amen. for her to love me. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. If you've met my wife, she is an absolute angel. It is not easy to love me. <laughs> so, um, Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen, Rick. So um, to say, I agree wholeheartedly with you, uh, Caesar. we need to love the church because God loves the church. And God has called us to love one another. You know, um, the new commandment, Jesus said that I give to your disciples that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also love one another. Why did he say that? Because it ain't gonna be easy, okay? And, and so don't think that, uh, don't just walk up and say, man, I'm having a hard time loving these people. Something must be wrong with me. No, you're human, okay? Well, there's absolutely everything wrong with you because you're human, all right? You know, <laughs> we're broken. That's why we need Christ. But just, it's not easy, but we're still called to do it. So we've got to do it well. And the only way we're going to do it is connected here. That's really good. Oh, yeah, if you don't mind, Jade, I'm going to yeah, absolutely just a little Amanda. bit. So a lot of times people will come to Mosaic and they might want to be sharing their story about what happened at their last church and why they're looking for a new church. And I'm always like, uh, we're not perfect. Yeah. Like <laughs> whatever you had there, we have those humans here too. And like, this is what it's, that's going to happen. You know, not that they need to go back. Like it's okay if you've changed churches, that's okay. Um, but just to have like proper expectations that we can love the local church knowing full well that it is not going to be, you know, a perfect experience. And it's, it's a real benefit to us that we know several local churches and local pastors at those churches that when this isn't the right place for someone to, uh, you know, worship Jesus and connect in community, that we have some great recommendations yeah. that we can give um, knowing that it's not, it's not us. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like God's yeah. church is here in many places and there's lots of options out there um, and not that we should just shop around, but that it's okay to recognize none of these places are going to be perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I think the highlight there, um, if you're just finding this out, this is not the pre-heaven building. No, it's it's not, not the only place that you can commune with God. And so um, that's like a huge sentence that, you know, a lot of people will come from different churches and say, you recommend another church? It's like, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're not saying you're, you're bonded here and you're staying here and this is the only place you're going to um, worship the Lord. Um, like you have the Holy Spirit with you and other churches like love the Lord too. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about like the local church and the fact that there are many local churches that the Lord loves that we can be a part of that we can love. So how do we 
find a healthy church that we can both love and love all the others, but what are healthy markers and when do we decide which local church we, you know, marry? Which one do we uh, grow apart in? Okay, Rick, you are never going to talk too much. Man full of wisdom. We need to hear from you. I don't know. So the, uh, what are the conditions? I don't know. So the, the question, the, just to get to the question, all right, because I, I, lost, I lost focus there. It's age. It's melody. So markers of a healthy church. Discipleship. No. Markers of a healthy church. Join a D group now. (laughs) Fill out the paper. (laughs) It's a a church where people, um, they they don't just know the gospel, they live the gospel. Okay. Um, When when you look at Peter, it's really kind of interesting. We get this, we get this so wrong. I feel so much like Peter all the time. Open mouth, insert foot. Open mouth, insert the other foot. You know? And so, you know, Peter... You know, Jesus at Caesarea Philippi asked, you know, who, who do people say that I am? And some say, you know, you're, some say Elijah, some say, you know, whatever. Um, and, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you are, you are Jesus Christ. The rock, you know, you are the son of God. And Jesus said, you know, blessed are you, Peter, for, you know, God the Father has revealed that to you. Peter got it right for once, okay? <laughs> and, then, and then you go, I mean, it's not even two or three verses later. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. You know, um, Christ said, hey, by the way, here's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go down to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. And, I, and what does Peter do? No, we're my dead body. That's not happening to you. Why? Because Peter's idea of the church, he knew who Christ was, but he wasn't locked into Christ's mission. He saw it the way he wanted to see it. The Christian life was what he wanted it to be, not what Christ said it was going to be. Christ turned around and said, you know, take up my cross and follow me, you know, and that's, that's the real, that's the health of a church is when people are living the gospel and they realize the Christianity that they're living is not about them. It's about how I can submit to Christ. That's the real healthy church. Yes. (laughs) I'm just making sure we recorded that, right? Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'm going to like replay that every morning I'm getting ready. I'm like, oh yeah. I feel like Rick gets the spirit of things, and I'm like, well, there's a list. Like, <laughs> you should make sure they have sound doctrine. And if you're not sure what that is, you should ask someone who you feel more confident that they might be able to help you understand what that is. I just think that's imperative for you, for me as an individual, to walk into a church and know that I'm going to connect with them, and then I'm going to submit to their leadership, and I'm going to follow them. Like, I want to know that that is um, on the table. And I think a plurality of leadership, so that there are uh, numerous elders and deacons who are leading the church, um, that it's not just one person going uh, whichever way they like. I think stated vision and values, um, and I would say humility and love and grace, that if you see those things demonstrated, and I love what you're talking about too, um, but those are kind of some, some other list of things. Yeah, did you have anything you wanted to add, Caesar? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just if you've noticed the response isn't that they play Hillsong 
or that they have a really large sanctuary or that they have cool lights and sound. Uh, like, like those are preferences. They are not what you need to be part of a healthy church. Uh, because the reality is the church has been standing firm for 2,000 years, and that happened way before anyone picked up an electric guitar because that was a sin, you know, like, come on, you know, the, right? And so my, my encouragement in this is like, to, I mean, I really do respect both Amanda and Rick, and I do learn, I'm like, I'm one of the youngest staff members here, and I learn a lot from them who've been walking in the faith for longer than I have um, and, and are firm in their doctrine. And what I have come to 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 surely believe is like a church that is that is not feeding the sheep well and that and not and not offering the sheep chance to serve the church well is a church that ultimately either falls or topples over because all the power is on one thing and it just falls over to the side and then that's where the church hurt comes and that's where you know people are leaving evangelical churches not really sure like going back to the, like you know, it's just when there's not when when the church is not the like the plan A of of Christ's salvation for the world, and spread among His people, then it's like, why do we come? Like we just come to be entertained on a Sunday. Then it's like, here, tell me some cool words, inspiration, cool song, put it on my Instagram or Snapchat, whoever, whatever people are using, and and then they call it a day, and then they're like, man, Christ is not even like true in their lives on a daily basis. Yeah, and to go off of what Caesar just said and kind of like um, go deeper in that thought is cool lights and an effective speaker and a large um, gathering space and a lot of people is not to be demonized and it's not to be praised. So going to a church that has the fundamentals, those core values, the things that we just discussed um, is core. That is a non-negotiable. Now, if you go to a church and it looks like this and this is, how, you know, there's no worship happening or there's no cool lights and that is why you walk away, that is where we're talking about, okay, that's, that doesn't mark a healthy church. That's just something that may be your preference. Now, if you're only walking into a church and thinking, this must be a healthy church because they have a, a lot of lights going on, so they must have production and they have the coolest outfits, so they must really like care about their, you know, it's like those lists, if you said them out loud, you would be like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so you can just say that out loud and you'll be like, oh yeah. But the point of what I'm saying is it's not to be demonized of, oh, well, I go to this one church and we sing hymns only because then you're worshiping again and idling. You're, you know, you're making something an idol out of something when the whole purpose is to meet and to know God more and to love God and then in return, um, know his people and love his people. So can I add one more thing? Yeah. Cause to answer this, the part two of your question was how, do, how do I know when to join a church or how, like, um, yes, if it has sound doctrine, all those things. Great. I do that. The Holy spirit. Okay. Like that, like, like I, like I need to drill this home for us as a community, even for myself, because where the whole, like where God plants you, he will grow you. And when, but if you're like, just think about this analogy, like if you're a plant, right? You don't just like, all right, I'm gonna move into another pot. <laughs> no, the gardener takes the plant, replots it in a bigger in a bigger pot with other soil for it to grow. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit. And so like the Holy Spirit will release you from a church when it's your time. You don't let yourself 
play the role of God because then we do leave churches for such silly reasons and and then people talk behind each other's back and people think about this and think about that it's like if you just like tune into what the Holy Spirit is telling you where to go and where not to go. I, mean, I really do think we'll see growth as a church and as a community in, in your own personal life. And so I, I think that, that if you're thinking about leaving a church or even if it's here, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, like, tell me where to go. Is it here? And if, it's, and if you want me to stay despite the hardships, empower me, teach me, show me, give me vision, give me clarity to be how I can help and how I can change the, the environment here. Or, or if I just need to be still and let you be God, then let me do that. But like, let us not play the role of God and let God show us where, we're to, where to go and, and, where to, and where to stay. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. I had a comment on that. <laughs> now, furthermore, for me, next. <laughs> I'm next. We, we, we oftentimes, and I've done this so many times, uh, I go to a church because um, I sit there, and it's just in our culture, we're consumers. You know, we, we go to be entertained here. That's, you know, especially here in Orlando. You know, we got Disney. I mean, it's just, you know, I can, you know, it can all be all about me, you know. And so we, we tend to carry that into our spiritual life as well. And we go to church to be entertained or to be pleasured or to be, you know, spoken into, to be comfortable, to be at ease. And if it doesn't get that way, then it's like, oh, well, I, I, I must, it must, this must not be my place. We're to go to a church to serve, okay? So if we go to a church and it's not comfortable, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, is this my place or do I need to go someplace else? And if the Lord says stay, then he may be saying you need to serve, okay? Because every one of us can contribute. God has called us to contribute to the advancement of the kingdom of God not just to be served, but to serve. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and then it's, sorry. Words Mark 1045. Right. Yeah, so Rick kind of stole the next question. That's why we were all eyeing each other up here if you caught it. No, it was a perfect segue, Rick. Perfect. It was the Lord. Um, but it's that we're a consumer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, but right now, I think that the world we live in is we have a consumer mentality. And, I, and yes, true for young adults, but I think true for everyone. Um, right now, we are just consuming. And the reality of it is if we consume something and we don't like it, we just toss it, you know, and just go to the next thing. There's so many avenues. It's like Netflix came out and we loved Netflix. And then it was like, Hulu, what's that? <laughs> it's like, forget my Netflix just, uh, subscription. So, like... What isn't it true though? So what um, when it comes to <laughs> hey, um, but when it comes to church attendance and you were talking about it, um, and and it, it kind of gave me this thought of if you're walking into church to be entertained, if you're walking into church and you leave, and you're like no one talked to me. If you're walking into church hoping that the scripture speaks to you and how you should go to, you know, church or to school the next day or to work the next day. If you're walking in expectant for something for you, um, that's a consumer mentality that you were talking about of, I want to consume what this place has to offer me. And if I don't agree, if I don't like it, if I don't feel like they're giving it to me, I'll go to the next place. But what you're saying is you're committed to this place and it's not about what they can give me, other than the, the healthiness of the church is something to consider. It's not, oh, well, worship. I didn't really like worship that day. I don't like that band we sang about, or they wrote those songs. So I'm not going to go there. I want to go to this church. I like how they sing these songs. So I would love to hear from you guys of just what feeds into that consumer mentality and how 
how do we move effectively with not walking in a church with that mentality when it's already, it's happening in our personal lives? Uh, I'm going to answer the second part. You can, you guys can fill in the why. Okay. So I've been reading Revelation, um, and, which is crazy, right? Like, Revela- like if you ever read Revelation, you're like, this is wild. Like, this feels like an acid trip. It's not, you know, it's just a vision. And it's just, that's not. I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough movies. I've never done an acid. No, 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 no. We're not doing this. I missed mom- what he said. What do he say? Oh. That is this on is, recording, this is why I'm not Caesar. To, this is why I'm not allowed to speak on Sundays. We're going like, to have to cut that out. What time this? are we at on that Last one? Last time I spoke on, on, on Anyways, Sunday, back to the question. Tesla. Yeah, the second that part. Was crazy. The second part. People were out here coming at me for Teslas. Like Alice in yeah, 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 yeah. Don't yeah, add yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't add to this. <laughs> Thank you. So acid trip. Anyway, so as, as you get to the end, if you... <laughs> Never mind. No. Okay, no perfect, I, Rick. No, stop. <laughs> Y'all never have fun here, do you? Yeah, no. Uh, you got to the end of Revelation, and you see, the, uh, you see described uh, this complete culmination of all the saints, all those who, uh, who have been saved in Christ as people would come and, and they join the choir of angels and they come and they, and they join in the dinner feast and they're praising God and they're praising him, calling uh, joining the angels saying, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, God Almighty, singing the song of Moses. And it's like literally chapter after chapter after chapter of, of angels and elders and, and, and those who'd be saved praising Jesus and the reality is, is you kind of meant it, tongue, you know, tongue in cheek, that this is not pre-heaven, but this is. Like, not just mosaic, but like the local church is practice for heaven. Like, like just think about this for a second. If we're singing the songs proclaiming the goodness and beauty and grandeur and amazement of who God is, and that is what we're doing in heaven and the new Jerusalem and new heavens and new earth, and if that's what we're doing there, and we're going to be doing that for eternity in perfection and never ending and ceaselessly, not that we're going to sing forever, but that even our lives would sing this praise, that every time we come to church on Sundays, when we hear God's word, when we submit to him, uh, submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we sing, literally verbally sing, we're not just doing it in that moment. We're actually practicing for eternity. That freaking pumps me up to come to church because I want to be in heaven. I don't even know why I'm getting emotional. Like, I want to be in heaven, and I get to taste that with God's people. I don't know if I'll see Amanda and Rick, and like, because there's be so many people. I know I'll see you yeah. there, but like, I don't know if I'll. He, like, I don't know. You said you're gonna see me. Remember, Guys, you're in context, that means know. you know you're gonna see me. I don't know if me. we're gonna have like little pods or little streets, <laughs> and you know, like little, you know, this section and this. Like, I don't know how it's all gonna pan out, but what I do know is like, I get to. I get to practice that with like y'all and like that excites my spirit and makes me not come here expecting Zach and Joel and Renault and all of them to, to make this heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. God's presence. That is heaven. And I'm preparing and practicing for what is to come for eternity. Like that doesn't make me think about consumerism. That makes me, that, that makes me want to give all that I am 
to this place and to whatever church I'm a part of because I want to practice so well that I'm ready. Like, just put me in, coach. I'm ready and for eternity. So, yeah. Love it. I think this question is not, that was awesome. I don't think it's just about the church, though. Like, what our culture calls us to, what our human nature calls us to is what we want. And so I think we bring that understanding to every facet of our life. And so I think a biblical understanding that um, we want to follow in Jesus's footsteps. He comes to serve and not to be served. Um, And so when we look at our jobs, like, there's always a better looking job out there. You know, and so are you going to be faithful to where God has planted you um, and, and move when the Holy Spirit calls you, or are you going to always be looking for something better? And so that's going to be the church, that's going to be relationship, that's going to be friends, um, and that's just really uh, connecting or believing and obeying uh, this biblical understanding of what we're here to do. You're a part of the body. You have a purpose. You have something to offer. No part of the body is useless. No part of the body is doing nothing. It's all contributing together. And so you have a part to play in this body of believers. And if you're here, this is where God's planted you, then awesome. We love that you're in this body and we want to see you playing your part because I don't have your part and we need your part, whatever it is. That's awesome, Amanda. It really is. I think uh, what I have to do, and I I share this with you because I know this is what I have to walk through every day. When I get up in the morning, uh, when my feet hit the floor, I'm all about me. And so I have to spend the first hour, hour and a half of my day uh, dying to me and uh, and, and realizing that God isn't about me. My whole life is about giving him glory. And I have to get that perspective you know, and I have to begin that every day. If I don't, if I don't get that, man, I go into the day and boy, it's, it's ugly. <laughs> it gets rough, you know, and then I start realizing I'm all about me, you know, and it's just, especially us guys tend to have a tendency to be, I think, more selfish than the girls. And I know it's true with me. My wife is one of the most selfless people I know. I'm one of the most selfish people I know. So I have to, I have to constantly die to me. And so, when I go to church, I have to walk in and realize I'm here to serve the body of Christ. This church is not here for me. They, it's, it's not up to my approval. I'm here to be Jesus to people in this church. I'm to serve. I'm to give. I'm to love. I'm to represent Christ. Second Corinthians 5, I'm to be a minister of reconciliation. I'm to be an ambassador of Christ. That's my role. So that's, I have to constantly think that when I walk in. That's really good. All of those answers, I mean, you, you touched every single, like, angle of it. That's really, that's really cool and definitely encourage you to keep thinking about that. The rest of the week, I feel like we can add on more thoughts and more examples. And so as you're living your life, like, I really encourage you to, like, check yourself. Kind of like what Rick was just saying, like, in the morning, he just is like, okay. Like, I have to really uh, understand what's happening here. Um, But also with the idea of consuming, of consuming and deciding that you don't want to do something or are you always looking for something better to come up? Are you always looking around for um, entertainment or satisfaction in something else? Do you have your hand in two things because you feel like you need to? It's like, that's a whole other conversation, but plot twist, you're not the savior of the world, so you don't need to. Um, All you need to do is be still 
and the Lord will do the rest. Um, and the Holy Spirit will direct your steps. So, um, okay, well, the last little uh, question is a light one. It's a joke. Um, it's not a light one. The world is in a state of emergency. We are obviously all in the know of what's going on. And I mean, we could sit here for another two hours and even just list what's going on um, before even talking about it. Um, so with the world and I mean, just consuming <laughs> mentality, we are consuming news constantly of these things. Um, how is the church responding? And is, it, is that in a state of emergency as well? Or is the church worried? Is, are we to be worried? Like, how should we respond to this alarming reality? Okay. <laughs> this will be my last time. Um, I don't think the church is in a state of emergency. Um, and I don't think we should be worried for the church. And I say that not because it's perfect, um, but because Christ is. Um, you know, Jesus says so clearly that the gates of hell will not prevail. And so in that sense, the, the, the church, like local churches um, may be planted and some may end. Um, there'll be false teachers and there'll be, and there'll be uh, wolves in sheep clothing and will come after the people of God. But if you see every single time that's happened throughout scripture, uh, God's people are always safe under the wings of Christ. And so am I, do I think that there's problems? Sure. Do I think we're gonna continually butt heads? Absolutely. Are we still gonna say, you're not a Christian because you don't wear a mask or because you do wear a mask? Or Sure, we will, we will continue that because we're, we're human. And we, we do silly, silly things. And human history has shown in inside of the church, we've done silly, silly things. But what makes the church perfect or will, what will perfect the church is Christ. And there has never been a single thing that God has ever put his hands to that has not been accomplished. So if I'm worried about the church, no. We're in agreement. Amen. Well, cool. Um, I wanted to open it up. We have time probably for two questions. Um, so I would love to open it up if anyone did have a question that came out of what we talked about tonight. Um, yes, we already have one. Oh, we have two. Okay. I'll have her go cause I'm right here and then I'll come to you. You want to talk into it? Sure. <laughs> so you guys talked about like when to like go to a church, but when is it time to like leave a church? Um, I would say, uh, it, obviously, it's a question we need to take. You need to take seriously, and you need to pray about it, and you really need to seek, you know, God's uh, just God's word as to what what it is for you. And that may look a little different, you know. To me, I you know, I feel like there's times God really does speak to my spirit, but I have to really get quiet and just have to really like again die to me. You know, once I get to that point, then I know I can really hear from the Lord, and it's not me deceiving myself. So if the Lord tells me to move, I'm going to move. But more times than not, um, I find the Lord says, no, I've got a plan for you here. I'm working on you. I'm sanctifying you. You need to learn to love better. So, you know, but if, if a church is doctrinally wrong, I would, I would probably leave, you know. But I would also tell why I'm leaving. 
you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would meet with the pastor and say, look, you know, nothing personal. It's just, I disagree with this. I don't think it's biblical. But I still love you. And I still love the people here, but this is what I disagree with, so I'm leaving. Yeah, and to add on that, I honestly, I missed the first two seconds there. Um, so maybe this was already said. Uh, you can cut the recording here. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I think a huge part about leaving a church or leaving um, a body is you're leaving a body. So there's several people there who you've been connected to, ministries or groups of people that discipled you or you felt community with. Um, and I think that it's hard sometimes um, because a part of the consuming mentality is we allow people in who are going to sound like the thoughts in our minds. So we might let people in on our decisions who are going to um, affirm us because of how we're painting the picture to them. And then they will say, yeah, you should do that. It's like, oh, I really want to eat a pizza tonight. They're like, yeah, man, do it. But it's like you've been complaining all night about your stomach. They're like, you know, you need a friend who says you need to have a smoothie and go to bed, you know? And so I think the huge part of that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A huge part of that, I think, is allowing community in, allowing the people who have been speaking into your life to challenge you. And if you don't have that, finding someone who can speak into your life, who you can say the full story to, not just the parts you want to share, and let them challenge you and let that person be someone who has the Holy Spirit because then they will be meeting with the Lord on your behalf and the Lord will then direct your steps that there will be no question of, did I just feel like doing this because of this reason or because these people hurt me or because, you know, whatever, or was the Lord actually directing my steps here? But then also knowing in the truth that the Lord is the one who controls your path and loves you and cares for you and he knows where your path ends with him. And so when you make that misstep, he's there to redirect you. So um, we had another question back there of, do you believe that Christians are good people? And in that same thought, they want to know if you think you're a good person. That's a hard no from me. I am not a good person. Um, I'm She's a sinful the right person. person. She's Amanda Wright. <laughs> no. Her last name is Wright. Dad joke. Sorry. I'm a sinful person saved by the grace of God um, in that the Holy Spirit empowers me, I pray, to do good works that glorify his name and benefit people. Um, but I would not say that I'm a good person, and I wouldn't say that Christians are generally good people. I just don't think that's helpful language as much as I want to do good in the world. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't seem like I don't. It's hard because that category is good. Like we, we use goodness when we talk about the Lord, like the goodness of God and Psalm 23 that I, you know, I sit at his table and his goodness will come after me for all days of my life. And so that category though is not a moral category. When we talk about goodness in scripture, it, it, is, it is a pattern of action attached to the person. And so it is goodness that he gives good things, that he is faithful and his love is everlasting. Like those are not good moral categories, but they're like the actual tangibleness of goodness. And so in that sense, no, because I mess up all the time. So, but something that I, I do try to encourage people who I talk to who often refer themselves like, I'm just a sinner who loves Jesus or I'm a sinner who tells people about a good savior. And while there's a reality where there is sinful tendencies that still exist, actually scripture 
no longer calls us sin, sinners. We're called saints. And so that is a whole different identity. I'd rather be a saint than be a good person because it ultimately points everyone back to the person who made a sinner into a saint and who made a dead person alive. So I'd rather be that. I think all of this needs a lot of explanation because if you talk to somebody who comes from the Catholic faith, they have saints and they revere their saints. And we are not to look for any revering on this planet. Um, but I think that's a great question. I just want to affirm you in that, that that's a great question to be asking. And it's so helpful to use more words to describe all of those things. Because I think Caesar and I are in 100% in agreement in, in what we've said. Yep. Yeah, and, and I agree the same thing. It's, it's, you, we tend to, it's not a simple question. It, it's, a, uh, it's a question that has a lot of caveats to it because I would say, in my flesh, am I a good person? No. But Christ in me, totally different story. And I'm constantly walking that, that fine line of understanding my worth in Christ because he made me worthy, but yet my unworthiness of it. So... Um, so I agree, you know, same thing. Ending on a light note. <laughs> yes, um, well, this discussion uh, was very fruitful. Um, and I hope that you were able to, um, in your small time before we started talking in our panel, start talking through some of those questions. You probably noticed we answered some or we discussed some up here. Um, so I would encourage you to keep that conversation going as we're leaving tonight or this week. Um, and you can pull one of, you know, your friends, the leaders here, um, and ask more questions and talk more. I'm sure we could go for a few more hours if we all didn't have to sleep and go to bed. Oh, that's the same thing. I clearly need to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, I really just love tonight. So, um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for submitting questions. Um, this is something we'll be doing often is if you're new here, question and discussions where we submit questions that have, um, a centered theme and we really just open the floor, um, and talk through them and go back and forth. So bless you, Jeff. Bless you. Um, but yeah, give it up for our panelists here. Thanks guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Seriously, thank you for having Amanda and I. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm actually going to hand this over to Caleb. He's going to close us out with some announcements. Um, but if you guys have any other questions surrounding this topic, grab one of the leaders, and uh, we'll be happy to answer it. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.